Welcome to the Crunch Time Instagram Live Podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Bullock. This podcast features nothing but real talk analysis and conversations about sports, entertainment, news, and much more. Now, strap in and buckle your seatbelts because it's time for Crunch Time. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode six of the Crunch Time of the Crunch Time Instagram Live Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Bullock, man. Thank y'all for joining me on this Wednesday evening, uh, August the 19th, 2020. Uh, appreciate y'all joining in, man. Thank y'all for y'all's support for the past month or so, man. It's been great. Uh, thank y'all to also to those, also to my special guests who've been able to come through the past five weeks. And I'm very excited about this particular episode because we're going to focus strictly on black women in the media. So I'm thankful to have Kelsey Nelson uh, from Fox Sports, Fox Sports Radio based out of the DMV, Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Christina Watkins, good, really good friend of mine and colleague based out of New Orleans. She's an anchor and reporter for WDSU down there. And also my good friend, Andrea Henderson, who is a reporter on race and culture for NPR out of St. Louis. So very excited to get this thing going, man. So throughout uh, tonight's episode, go ahead and drop y'all questions in the comment section, man. And, um, you know, I'm excited about tonight. And so we're going to get going here in a little bit. I'll be sure once this episode is over, make sure y'all follow the Instagram of uh, the Crunch Time Instagram Live podcast on Apple Podcasts and also Spotify. And after, hopefully tonight, unlike last week, um, you know, we, we won't have any uh, technical difficulties. That was pretty bogus last week. So I'm going to get ready to add Kelsey. Get her on right now. Hey, what's Kelsey. up? What's up? <laughs> what's going on? What's going on? How you doing? I'm good. I just got back from celebrating my dad's birthday, but I'm excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Right. I'm glad you made it back in time. Man. I got a little <laughs> nervous for a little bit, you know. You Look, I got you. Right away, you know? <laughs> Everything good down there in D.C.? Down. Everything's good. You know, D.C. is a bit crazy because of our uh, current political process, but everything else is good. Man, it's crazy out there, man. I know it is. Out here in Dallas, it's just hot. You know, it's sitting about at 105. You know what I mean? And all that good oh stuff. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. It's 80 here. You see, I'm just getting back in and already sweating. So I can't imagine being in by 105. <laughs> man, it's about, I've been in the house all day. Only time I stepped outside was to take the garbage out this morning. So, and um, I do not blame you for that. <laughs> it's the weather you stay inside. You don't want to do anything with it. So I feel you. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's too hot. It's mid-August down here in Texas. It's too crazy. It's too crazy. So yeah, obviously, I'll further uh, you know, up north NBA, then. Yeah. Yeah. I don't miss living up there, but I, I really like living down there. So what do you think about what's going on in the NBA? Because it's been triple header after triple header the last few days. It's been fun. It's been fun. I feel like the, the NBA restart has given us great basketball that we greatly needed to miss, obviously, when we did not have sports. But just watching last night's game with the Lakers and Portland Trailblazers, how fun is it to have? We had two eight seeds, right? Two eight seeds do the impossible. So it's been fun. It's been a great ride, and I'm excited now for this series. So as long as they can keep bringing us this great basketball, Dame, keep doing what you're doing. We are loving it. Like, right. I'm, I'm a happy camper. I've been good. It's been fun to be a sports supporter with everything going on. <laughs> yes. Speaking of you being a sports supporter, how are you able to, you know, build yourself up? Because you work Super Bowls. You've been a teacher. You've been pretty, you've done pretty much everything, sideline yeah. reporting. You know, so how have you been able to build up? your repertoire and your pretty much your whole career in, in the sports industry. Yeah. You know, it's getting repetition. It's getting opportunity, being ready when opportunity knocks. I feel like that's what I've always tried to prepare for and prep for. And I've been a blessing, you know, I luckily being in the DC area, going to Maryland and Georgetown, making great connects, doing a bunch of internships, been making the right connections. It just kind of kept opening doors. And then from those doors, it just tried to make the most of opportunities. So it's been a blast. Now, how's, how important is it? As a black female, uh, how, how important is your voice, especially uh, in the sports world, considering, one, you're a black female, you're young, and I, and I know you're pretty energetic about what you do. Yeah, pretty energetic is, is, is an undertone, Ben. <laughs> yeah. I love what I do, but I will say being a black female, obviously, there's a lot of pressure on you. You are a woman, and you're, you're a minority. The thing is, I've had people come before me that have helped open the door, and of course, I want to make sure, Ben, that there's a pipeline so others can come behind me. It's, it's so many people that want to be in sports broadcasting that look just like me that are talented even more talented why should they not have the opportunity and I think that's what I'm like my main goal and what I want to do for them so it's a lot but at the same time I wouldn't trade it for the world I love a challenge I'm always ready for a challenge and you know every day is something different but I'm just excited to follow some of the goats you know your Terry Champions you know those <laughs> of the world and right. hopefully you know I work my butt off to get up there too this is Kelsey Nelson from Fox Sports Radio down in the DMV area Kelsey yeah. um, you talk about challenges um you know, how were you able to navigate? Well, tell me well, tell me a little bit about some of the challenges you faced and how were you able to navigate through that considering uh, sports, sports media in general is a male-dominated uh, uh, 
what how can I say occupation I should say yeah that's a great and and you know obviously the sports world but you're right it's it's a lot. You have to obviously prove that you need to be there. So many people underestimate you. They think whatever, because you're a female, you know, oh, she must have knew somebody. Oh, she can't know sports. It's so many different things that you're battling. But the thing is, I always say you're in the room for a purpose. Make sure people know that purpose and you're supposed to be there. So you work for that. And I think for me, just navigating it, like I said, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of long hours, but also you have to do the due diligence. Your work should speak for itself. I made sure that when I put stuff out, it was high quality. I made sure that it was the best of my abilities. And I wanted to make sure people knew I do my stuff. This is not a game. This is what I was born into. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I went to school for. I don't have two degrees for no reason. And I think that's what the premise of my work has been based off of. And then also just on the DC landscape, being from this area, no one knows this area like me did. This is my hometown. <laughs> right. So it's you know, just been a combination of that. That's good. That's good. Do I have any questions for Kelsey? Go and drop it in the comment section. Uh, we'll get to those at, towards the end of this particular part of the show. Yeah. Kelsey, what do you think about uh, the diversity and inclusion of Black women in the sports industry? Oh, my gosh. So, obviously, it's way behind the ball. Uh, we need a lot more, but I do think you're starting to see more. But I think we're just starting to put a crack in that glass ceiling. We need to make a bigger crack. We need to break that glass ceiling so there's further opportunities for so many more. It's like I feel like we still, we still are hearing the first of. Why are we still hearing the first of? It's mm. freaking 2020. Like, it's. It's crazy, but I think we are seeing the opportunities to be there, but still I think we're seeing black women voices silenced. We're still seeing us chosen last. We're chosen as, oh, well, you know, let's just put one in here to put one in there because we need to meet a quote unquote diversity quota. That's not the way to go. We want to be there because we work to be there. We've proved that we should be there. And I think that's the point that we're trying to get to, but still I feel like black women are kind of chosen last. Kind of like that basketball pickup game where the last one's being chosen, but why? Yeah. We're so talented, come on, let us in the game. <laughs> And that's right. what the thing is. So it's, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I think as long as we keep pushing, we keep fighting, we keep having our allies fight for us and show why we should be there, then, you know, it's promising. What do you think about uh, some of the people that have paved the way for people like yourself, like Jamel Hill, you kind of touched on a little bit, uh, Carrie Champion, uh, yeah. even somebody like Robin Roberts, you know, they pretty much paved the way for people like you, for, for yeah. um, black females like yourself. I would say, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am without them, right? Like you had to have people come before you and they're why that we're, they're why I'm here today. And I would say the barriers that they had to face, being trailblazers. I don't think people know what it means to be the first and what they had to face and even the adversity that they still face. Look at, look at the people that still try to come for them talking about that's why they have their new show, right? Stick to sports, trying to say, you're only qualified mm -hmm. to talk about this. I'm honored that they fight so many battles for us. Uh, to be where we are today. And I am glad that they continue to fight. And again, they've paved the way, they're mentors to us. And they make sure that we continue this pipeline because we don't want to be the last one. Absolutely, I definitely understand that. So what would you, what kind of advice would you give uh, to females who are trying to get to where you're at? You know what I mean? They're 18, 19 years old, they're still trying to get their feet where they're in college. And yeah. this particular time is kind of hard because they ain't in school, they can't really kind of get involved with the sports information department. They I can't know. really get involved Crazy with the yeah, yeah. So I know it's tough for them. I it's it's such a different landscape. And like I have a little sister in college and I'm literally trying to give her the same exact advice. But I would say stay hungry, but be innovative. Be creative. Look at your doing, Ben. I mean, this is an exact example of innovation that you can do. <laughs> Don't make it feel like, oh, I'm not in school, I can't do this or that. There's so many unique ways and thanks to technology that you can still be involved in the game. Why not do it? And I think that's what's so exciting about now. You can create opportunities for yourself. You can be doing interviews, you can connect with athletes. Uh, you just have people are looking now for this digital age journalist, and that's where college students have an advantage because they're growing up with these technologies. Find a creative way to use TikTok to, you know, get information out there. Find a creative way to use Instagram to get information out there. Really now, innovation, I'd say, is the name of the game, and it shows that you will always have a place in this industry because everything's going digital. Whether you like it or not, that's where it's going. And I think right now you have more of an opportunity than ever to prove mm -hmm. yourself. So there's no excuse now to accept anything less than uh, success. So I think, again, now is the time to shine, to stand out, uh, and to prove your worth. Great. That's a great answer. I love that. Um, so we got a question from Tidy. Uh, sorry if I messed your name up, bro. Um, I know you're part of NABJ and everything. He said, since you're from the DMV area, uh, Kels, uh, yeah. what should the Washington football team change the name to? <laughs> Isn't that the million-dollar question, right, that we all, like, just want to know? Oh, my gosh. So, of course, me being from D.C., I think it has to be something that ties to the area. I love what our GoGo team did, uh, which is our Washington uh, G League team. They named themselves the Washington GoGo, which, of course, is a tie to the music culture here 
in DC. I'm a big fan. <laughs> you did a good thing. I'm a big I'm a big fan of red tails. Obviously, I think honoring the African American heritage here, it would be perfect. And a lot of people here want to keep the HTTR, so that way you still keep the HTTR help the red tails. I think that would be perfect. But anything that at least speaks to DC, and I'm talking about the real DC, the DC that's constantly changing because of gentrification. <laughs> then I'll be a happy camper. But, I, you know, Red Wolves, I'm not opposed to it. I know that's, like, one of the favorites. And just knowing how fans will be howling at the at FedEx Field uh, come football season when they're allowed to be back in, I think it'd be fun. But, again, I want something that ties to the area. I want something that can be here for another 100 years of this team that people can be proud of. Right. Uh, yeah, like I said, I love the Red Tails. I think it just brings it's so perfect. much. It's perfect. Like, how do you not love Red Tails? It's perfect. You can't, you can't argue with that. It's a whole movie about it. You can't get mad at that. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's great. Like, let's be honest. And I think for that team, because of all their teams they're having, hiring Jason Wright, right, the first African-American yeah. team president in the league's history, how perfect right. would Red Tails be to just show, you know what, we get diversity, we understand diversity, and we're working to improve it. Absolutely. This is Kelsey Nelson from Fox Sports Radio. Go ahead and drop your questions down in the comment section. We're going to wrap up here in a little bit. Kelsey, now, you have a really good radio show. It seems like you always on Twitter, Ferris. Really good or very Whatever the good, case then. is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you all, you're all over the place. So, number one, congratulations to you on that. Thank you. And I know and I know we had a conversation after the thing we did with NABJ earlier this yeah. year. But what? Tell, talk to me a little bit about your uh, process when it goes to booking your guests. Because I think you had Kane from the WWE on there <laughs> and then, uh, a few weeks ago. And then you just had David Aldridge. And then you'll have, like, Sean Marion and somebody else. On, yeah. on your show. Just kind of talk to me a little bit about what goes into your planning uh, when you're trying to get, get a guest for your show. Oh my gosh. So me and my team, I will say we work due diligently. Like there's no days off. We're always planning for the future. We're already in October bookings now, which is still mind boggling to me. But our biggest thing is that my show, I don't want it to be limited. It's called Listen In With Kanan because I want people to feel comfortable having a conversation with me and my guests. I want them to feel like they're eavesdropping in on a conversation that we're having. And so we've tried to pull guests we talked about it from all ranks. We've had WWE, we've had basketball, um, you know, former players, current players. We had enough canter on. Like, it, it's no limit to it. I just want people that tell great stories. And yes, I've had big names, but we really live for people that are storytellers, people that can communicate with me. I'm talking with them from 30 minutes to an hour. That mm -hmm. is not the easiest thing. You better it's not have just a great one person. Story. It's, <laughs> it's me and one person talking. And yet we have to keep you all engaged. And I tell that to people all the time. I think, you know, sometimes then people think our job is easy, even me and you talking. But like me and you haven't met in person yet. But yet we're still all able right. to have a conversation. And that's what needs to happen. And so literally we're scouring the internet. We're scouring, you know, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And we're just looking for people that can have a conversation with me, mesh with my personality. But also people who aren't afraid to ask the tough questions. Like the conversation... I had with Kane, AKA Mayor Glenn Jacobs. We talked a lot yeah. about the Black Lives Matter movement. We come from very different backgrounds and we were able to have that right. difficult conversation, but in a respectful way. And I think that's what it is now. And so that's what I look for. Of course, having David Aldridge on was like, you know, the GOAT sports yeah, <laughs> yeah, broadcast yeah. and like what he's done. Legendary. I mean, legendary. Mm -hmm. And that was a true honor to have him on. You talked about NABJ, got his connect um, through NABJ. But it's just, you know, it's always just having different people that can come on. We try to have diversity. I never want to be kind of pigeonholed into one spot because I want right. somebody that could talk to all types of people and all types of listeners and all types of viewers. Yeah, it's definitely. If y'all get a chance, man, make sure y'all go check her out. Like I said, she's pretty much on Periscope like every day. So go on and follow her on Twitter. <laughs> follow her on her. <laughs> <laughs> make sure y'all subscribe to her YouTube page and all that. Uh, so I got it's actually an interesting question right here from Global Kid Media. He says, isn't it time for a kid's sideline reporter? I have done a thousand star interviews to give us kids a face from Giannis to Magic to Mahomes to Zion. What you think about that? Oh, my gosh, yes. Like, I wish those opportunities were available when we were younger. Like, where was this in the 90s and the early <laughs> uh, thousands? Um, you know, I would trade it to go back to the world. And I know we've seen more kid reporters popping up. Like, at the WNBA, they've been popping up asking questions to players in the Wubble. You know, the NBA has sometimes done that, too. And I think it is. But the name of the game is opportunity. We're asking for opportunity for all. I'm not just asking for opportunity for one select group. And I do think the NBA and really all of the leagues have to start looking for talent everywhere. Sometimes there are younger kids who are better than seasoned vets. They just have that <laughs> talent, that natural knack. And I would love to see it. So I'd say keep at it. If anything, maybe you're at an advantage because you're younger. People always love younger. You can connect to the players in different ways. Let's be honest. When you ask a kid, when a kid asks a question, they can get any answer they want. Because who's going to say no right. to a little kid asking a question? So if anything, I'd say he's probably at an advantage. Um, but I, I'd say it's long overdue. Let's bring more kids to the game. Let's, let's get them on the sidelines. Yeah, I love that response. Kelsey, before I let you go, let the people know how they can connect with you and follow you and check out all the content that you put out. 
Yeah, so I'm on social media, The Real K Nelson. Definitely check it out. My website, KelseyNicoleNelson.com. Uh, follow my show, Listen In with Hannon. It's on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. It's live every Thursday at 6 and every Saturday at 2. It's on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook. Everyone should check it out. It's so much fun. You can interact much like we're doing here and ask live questions to my guests, and we'll get them answered. Ben, it's been such a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, Kelsey, thank you so much. We'll talk soon, okay? <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a great show. All right. And thank, thank you. you for bringing Black Girl Magic to your show. I love it. I, I got love you. Got to look out for we the ladies. You. You know we I mean? need you. We need the allies. <laughs> I got you. Thanks, I got ben. you. I'll... All right now. Bye. Yep. All right, y'all. That was Kelsey Nelson from Fox Sports Radio down in the DMV, DC area, man. So shout out to her for hopping on the show with me. So coming up next, I got my homegirl, Christina Watkins, member of Delta Sigma Theta. She's a reporter and anchor for WSU down in New Orleans. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time now. Shout out to Annie BJ. That's also how I know Kelsey and also the following guests coming up when I address. So I'm going to go and add her, and then we're going to talk about some good stuff that's going on down there in NOLA. And we're also going to talk about that C murder case that she's been reporting on for the last couple of years. Christina! <laughs> What's up? Hi. <laughs> I was cracking. Not much, man. How are you? Sound a little horse. You all right over there? I, it's, it's life. <laughs> he said his life. <laughs> life. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Tired, you know, I'm being a, a morning newser, an AM newser now. It's like by the end of the day, this voice is just gone. It's gone. So, what you like? You got the 4 a.m. shift, the 5 a.m. shift? Uh, I have to be up by at the latest 2.45. Oh, and no. the show starts at 4.30, and then I'm on until 7. And then in between, I report, and then I'm back on at noon. So Ooh. I work 10-hour shifts now, literally. It's great. It's More great. power to you. Got, you can have that news life. I'm good. I'm straight. Good I'm straight. Well, thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Taking time out of the busy schedule. Low-key kind of cutting into the sleep time a little bit. So you know, what is I sleep? thank you. What is sleep? You know what? What is sleep, Ben? Come on now. No, but nah. honestly, thank you. Thank you. Um, like Kelsey said, shout out to this Black Girl Magic on here. It's mm -hmm. so important. Um, it's so crucial and like black women right now, we are just everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm humbled. I'm humbled to be here. Thank you. Hey, no problem. No problem. So you kind of touched on a little bit, man, but talk to me a little bit about the importance of black women in the media, considering you work in news, uh, 24 seven. I mean, it's, I guess the question would even be, why wouldn't it be important mm. to have black women in media? Because having that representation is so crucial our voice is so powerful i can count on one hand the amount of black women who i grew up watching in news and in sports because you know like my background originally was in sports right. but specifically in news one anchor vanessa eccles who's a channel nine in orlando still working literally grew mm -hmm. up watching her my entire life and that's one black woman anchor i can say that i remember as a kid and black women in media, it's just, it's so important to make sure that we are there, that we share these stories that matter, stories that you wouldn't get if it weren't for a black woman. And now finally, better late than never, mm -hmm. in 2020, uh, we are getting more of a platform to be able to share that and to be able to express ourselves. So I'm happy that we're seeing more black women represented, uh, but it's just, it's so, so crucial for Black people in general, like someone just commented down here, black people in general in the workplace is crucial. Right, right. This is Christina Watkins from WDSU down in New Orleans. So if y'all have any questions for her, go and drop it in the comments section. We'll get to those later in the interview. So Christina, talk to me a little bit about being true to your black authentic self. You know, how hard is that to do as an on-air on personality? Because you can't really be who you want to be at times. You know what I mean? Because you know you don't want to <laughs> cause no ruckus or anything. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's weird because they say New Orleans is a completely different place from Louisiana, which is true. So Very while true. I'm in New Orleans, which is primarily black, all of our viewers are not from New Orleans. In fact, most of our viewers are not in New Orleans. They're from Jefferson Parish. They're from the North Shore. They're from St. Tam you know, Tammany Parish. And mm -hmm. so for me as a black woman, I have to remember that I'm black before I'm anything else. And mm -hmm. so with the stories that I make sure I tell, I will deliver them in a way that is informative to our non-black viewers yet beneficial to our black viewers so right. if we're talking about um you know protests and and things that have been going on lately it's not so much the protests that are happening it's 
why are they happening getting people who've been affected by this getting deeper conversations talking to white people who may not have known the reason for this and who have mm -hmm. openly said this is why i know it's important and i realized before that i didn't know this until now so those are the kinds of stories that i look to tell even uh, a story that i did was um a white man who adopted a little black boy and is now raising him he's six years old Nice. And so I was like, you know, this is a different conversation when you're talking about having the talk with your black kids. This is a white man who wasn't raised like he's raising his black son. Mm -hmm. So I look for stories like that to be able to educate our non-black viewers while still being true to myself and realizing that these conversations are important. We as black people know what's going on. Like we're living it. So how can I use my platform to share to other people what we're going through in a you know, a neutral way, yet mm -hmm. an informative way. Speaking of you, you know, reporting and giving the neutral and the informative way, uh, NOLA has been hit hard by COVID uh, since everything kind of popped off back in March. You know, why has your voice been so important? You telling the stories of how the black community has been affected by COVID and why, why is your voice so important when it comes to that particular aspect? You know, it was interesting when the whole stats came out that Black people are disproportionately affected by COVID than others because it, it seemed as if as soon as that came out, that's when those who are not Black were like, oh, we need to open up. We need to get bars <laughs> open. We need to get businesses open because they felt as if it wasn't affecting them. Right. And so it was my job to not just say, oh, Black people, 70% of, of the deaths in the state are Black, which was the case at one point now. Mm -hmm. It's just about even 49% white um, and then 48% black or whatever. So it's changed over time. But back then when it was 70% people who were dying were black, it was important to share why is this happening? How are we treated in hospitals? What kind of health care, if any, is available to the black community? What mm -hmm. access do we have? Why is the, what is the reason why this is killing us more than it was killing anybody else? And that was important to get out there because then you see um, stories like testing going specifically to black communities or even Drew Brees is now contributing his dollars to opening healthcare centers starting in New Orleans East. And you after know, his little screw up with the flag comment, you know, you had to get back into good graces with him, you know. That's a, that's a sensitive subject. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's, that's why. <laughs> It was important, you know, our voices now, um, especially with COVID, is important because while it's hitting everybody in some sort of way, you know, not discrediting those business owners who can't open right now, not discrediting those bar owners who lost their licenses and can't open right now, it sucks for everybody. It really does suck for everybody. But for Black people in particular, it is a totally different conversation because it's now opening the eyes of people who didn't realize, like, our lack of access to health care or being able to get to and from doctor's appointments, transportation, mm -hmm. you know, buses aren't running or if they are running, are they safe? You right. know, are the, all the germs are floating around. So those, those conversations were more important than just saying, oh, here are the numbers and here's, you know, what's happening with COVID in New Orleans. But yeah, we've been hit pretty hard. Um, I think for the first time ever in New Orleans, mm -hmm. you cannot take a drink to go. Right. And if you know New Orleans, that's like never happened. So it's been a, it's been an interesting time, a difficult time for many, and we're hoping to get out of this soon. Love that response. I know, like I said, it's been tough down there. Um, you know, with COVID, it's been tough everywhere. Even out here in Texas, you know, we've had a difficult time. I've been in the house, but yeah, y'all trying going to out in the field. You've been going in the office. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. This is Christina Walkers from WDSU. Anchor reporter out of New Orleans. I got a question from Global Kid Media, who also had a question from Kelsey earlier. He said, the greatest obstacle I face as a kid talking to the stars is those who snicker or look to get upset easily, saying you can't succeed. Why are some media gatekeepers so unable to think outside of the box? I'll let you take that. <laughs> talking to the stars is to snicker or look to get upset. I don't know why they would tell you you can't succeed. I think that's unfortunate because, you know, we are meant to uplift and to encourage others. And I think if, if there are any kids who want mm -hmm. to be a journalist, it's our job, those who have this platform, to be like, yes, do it. You know, keep trying to pursue those dreams. I, I, can't, I can't answer as to why they snicker or look to get upset because I'm not that person. 
Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate that there are people like that. And I'm sorry that that's something that you have to face, but I can tell you to, you know, don't let that get to your head. Don't let that bother you. Um, at, at the end of the day, you can do whatever you put your mind to do. And the only person who can stop you is yourself. So ignore that. There you go. That's the best, best advice. I can probably, that's pretty much what I was going to say to him as well. So just keep doing your thing. So Christina, so big story out of NOLA that's been happening that you've been reporting on since you pretty much got down there is this whole C murder thing. You know, he's been in jail for about what, over a decade now. And then recently Kim Kardashian is kind of looking into trying to see if she can get him pardoned or trying to work on the case or whatever. So just give me some details about that for those who aren't familiar, which everybody should be, but you know, just kind of talk to me a little bit about your reporting and how you've been able to handle that and give us an update on what's going on with that. It's been crazy. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with the case and for those who aren't familiar with Sea Murder, I know you know his song. The song, do you still hear it to this day? Don't start strolling. Don't start strolling. Right? So that is Sea Murder, a.k.a. Corey Miller, who's Master Blue's brother. 2002, he was arrested for a shooting at a nightclub just outside of New Orleans, a town called Harvey, which is in Jefferson Parish. And since then, he had a trial a year later, but it ended up being a mistrial because there were allegations that the prosecution had some, you know, issues with witnesses. Mm -hmm. Years later, in 2009, he was convicted of second-degree murder for killing the teenager at the nightclub and sentenced to life in prison without parole. And at the time, this was when... um, verdict in Louisiana could still be 10 to 2. You could get convicted off of a 10 to 2 verdict. You cannot anymore. They changed that law. Mm-hmm. So he's been, you know, locked up for a very, 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 very long time. There was a big break in the case, though, two years ago right. um, that I broke in 2000. Yeah, you did a good job with that story. I remember Thank that. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. The two key witnesses in that case, Darnell Jordan and Kenneth Jordan, no relation, Mm-hmm. They actually came forward in a signed affidavit and recanted their original testimonies. They are essentially the only reason why he is locked up right now. And so it was a big deal when they came out and said he didn't do it. They said that um, they felt pressured to lie on the stand and that detectives were going to hold other crimes over their heads and send them to jail for that if they did not say mm-hmm. Corey was the shooter. This is all in the signed affidavit. This is not my personal right. opinion. This is all in documentation. <laughs> Just a disclaimer, you know, to put that right. out there. Um, and so he's been trying, his, he's been through several attorneys. His people have been trying to get him a new trial. And then in January of 2019, the judge was like, no. I think it's <laughs> essentially saying, I think it's sketched that these witnesses recanted. Right. So here we are, 2020. Um, his daughter, one of his daughters, Alexis Miller, actually just told me that Kim Kardashian reached out to them 18 years to the date that the shooting happened. Wow. Saying that she looked over their, his case, she looked at the witness uh, affidavits, looked at affidavits from jurors who said what happened in the deliberation room, which is a whole other conversation for another yeah. day. And she was like, I want to help. And mm-hmm. so... Um, that's kind of where they stand right now. Cause as it stands, he's going to die in prison, um, life without parole. And that's, that's what it is. So his daughter told me that Kim Kardashian, you know, no matter how people may feel about her, um, she said that she's done more for them than anybody's done over the past mm-hmm. few years. And they're grateful to have her on board. They said she's genuine. Uh, she's working with Monica, who's Seymour's <laughs> ex-girlfriend. A lot of people don't know. They forgot the about they used to be a unit back in the day. It used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Forever lover. Um, <laughs> Should have so, been through two marriages, but, you know, that's, that's a whole other right, concept. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so the, the, case, the case is interesting, and, you know, both families, and um, I've talked to both families, the families of the victim who was killed, and then, of course, Corey Miller's people, and, you know, his daughter was saying their hearts go out to the victim's family. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, if you take away what they call an innocent life, um, who's locked away and is going to die in prison right now, then that's two lives gone. Mm-hmm. And so they just, you know, the least, they just want another trial. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Cool. It's cool. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a lot. But you're doing a great job. So I commend you, you on that. Just getting all that facts together. Because you've got to do a lot of digging, a lot of investigation, a lot of reading just to make sure that you number one you're up to par and number two that you know what you're talking about when you're informing the people when it comes to a serious case like that 
Yeah, it's it's a lot to deal with. And you, you know, trying to deal with people who say, you know, his name is Steve Murder and so forth. And I'm like, I'm not here to give an opinion. That's not my job. Yeah. Um, I have these signed affidavits in front of me. And all I can do is report that, you know, that that's literally all I can do. And that's all I've been doing. And, um, you know, the family is, is in close contact with me. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, Corey and I talked through them and I talked to him two years ago when the witnesses recanted and he's like, yeah. you know, for the first time back then, 16 years, he said he felt like he actually wasn't going to die in prison. So, mm -hmm. um, funny thing, his daughter said, if and when he gets out, the first thing he wants to do is go to Popeye's. <laughs> he said he wants some Popeye's. Canal Street, huh? <laughs> yeah. He said he wants some Popeye's, he wants some chicken, and he's not even focused on music so much anymore. He said, yeah. uh, he told his daughter that he just wants to get out and do things with his three girls, like regular things, get some coffee, you know, yeah. just hang out and catch up on the missed times that he's had with his family. Right, right. Christina, well, great job on doing that. So we got a couple of questions. One from Prince. He says, do you believe that local stations will begin to take notice of the digital journalists and begin to hire from that area? Oh, definitely. For sure. I mean, I, they focus so much nowadays on making sure that things are done digitally because that's, I mean, let's be honest, that's where prior to COVID, before people were forced to stay inside and watch TV. That's where a lot of people are getting their news from is on a digital side. So I think you will see more stations hiring specifically digital journalists. You already are in some markets, depending on where you are. And I think that that's going to be the norm. I mean, people who contribute strictly for web, strictly for social media, because right. that's important. That's where we are right now. <laughs> Facts. I mean, if you're not, everything's digital right now. So if yeah. you lagging behind in that area, then you already five, five million steps behind. You know what Legit. I mean? Like you <laughs> must be on social media. You must have some sort of digital presence. You must have some sort of, you know, personality on social media. All of that is important when you're even getting a job in TV nowadays. And if you don't have that, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, how do you connect with people? What? Right, right, yeah. You're not on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, you're pretty much a dinosaur if you ain't doing none of that. You ain't doing right, none of that. Right. So we got a question from our boy Wale, a, aka William Jones, straight out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He says, Do do black women in the media face scrutiny from wearing their natural hair or braids? You reckon <laughs> braids right now. Do we? And it was it was a process to be able to get these braids, which is a, you know, an unfortunate thing. But thankfully, there's a new trend where black women in TV are finally getting these braids. This is the perfect time for us to embrace ourselves, to wear these protective styles, to show that braids are professional. And I'm excited that I finally um, am able to do it. I haven't had braids since I was in second grade. And you see more and more people who are doing it. And I think prior to this, movement this you know people wearing their natural hair people wearing protective styles it was a problem and sadly it still is a problem um there is a reporter in memphis mm -hmm. who is wearing braids and someone told her i can't remember the exact words but essentially saying that it's not professional um what did your consultant tell you you know mm. you might as well add pink into your hair next time because it looks you know kiddish and this is 2020 and this happened right. like a couple of weeks ago. So it's still, <laughs> it's still scrutinized based off of certain people, but I think it's being accepted more and more, which is crazy because this is my natural hair. I mean, underneath, exactly. underneath all of this, right. why, why is my hair a problem? Why does my right. hair offend you? Why does right. my hair distract you from the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right. And that's a whole nother conversation, even not, not only with, you know, the other race, but within our own, generation well our own race you know what i mean yeah. especially the older generation like oh why why you got your hair pressed down or all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so but that's but that's that's a whole that's all, other... you gotta have a separate talk for that one <laughs> right right that's a whole nother one and that and actually your response is very similar to what we talked about in question two when it came to uh you stand true to your black authentic self and how hard is it to do in this particular day and age yeah it's it's challenging um i've <laughs> I've even had comments from people lately when I'll post things or share different articles about things going on in the black community. And people will say, Christina, we love you, but remember you're a journalist. And I'm like- What does that oh. mean? <laughs> so my response <laughs> is typically, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm also black. I appreciate you watching. 
And I do a lot of typing and deleting, typing and deleting, typing yeah. and deleting, save into draft, go back, read out loud, then post. Because, yeah. you know, I still do have to find that fine line of being uh, professional, yet also still being black and representing my right. black self in its truest form. So um, it's difficult yeah. <laughs> every day. And I think all black women in TV can agree and, and have a story to share about that. Um, but it's getting better. Mm -hmm. but we have a long ways to go. Absolutely, absolutely. So my last question for you. So if there's anybody who's listening right now who's trying to get to where you are, trying to work in a major market to be an anchor reporter, what's one word of advice you can give to them to make sure they can get to where you are right now? Keep going. Mm. Literally. Um, simply said, keep going. You will have people try to tear you down, knock you down, say, say all sorts of things to discourage you from achieving the things you want to achieve, doing the things that you want to do, but keep going. You know, you literally control your own path, your own destiny. And as I told um, the kid who asked the question earlier about being a kid journalist, um, no one can stop you but yourself. Right. And for people who know my story, it, it took me it took me about a year once I graduated from college to get my first job. And Ben, you know what I did in undergrad and all the mm -hmm. experience that I had. And it's just all on ESPNU, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. Like, it's just, it's a tough industry. And people will say all sorts of things. You will hear some of the harshest words from people who you will never meet in your entire life. Right. Um, but keep going, believe in yourself, push yourself. Um, don't doubt yourself and then you know celebrate each milestone don't look so far ahead have your dreams and have your goals but work each and every day and celebrate each and every day and be proud of that story that you told and be proud of that interview that you got don't knock yourself down if something doesn't work out the way that you expected it to go because i promise at the end of the day it's going to be exactly what it's supposed to be that's great, man. Well, Christina, thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, we'll talk later on. You know what I mean? It's been great. And um, <laughs> next year in Houston, we all going to do a little uh, turn up. You know what I mean? I missed our reunion this year, man. Man. And that mid-year pick-me-up that I need to just finish yeah. out the rest of the year. And Lord knows we all needed it this year. And I, everybody just, did. It sucks, man, that we didn't get to see one another. Um, but, you know, next year, Houston. Houston's going to be we late. We in there. We're going to make that thing work, man. Appreciate yeah. you, Christina. Okay, we'll talk Thank soon, you. all right? Thanks, no everyone. All right. All right, that was my homegirl, Christina Watkins, uh, straight out of New Orleans, uh, WDSU down there. Um, so shout out to her for joining me. And so who we got coming up next is one of my favorite people, one of my favorite colleagues, uh, out of straight out of Houston, Houston, Texas, actually. Shout out to my girl, Andrea. Uh, Henderson is about to hop on right now. So excited to add her on. She's actually a race and culture reporter out of St. Louis for the uh, publication NPR. She graduated from UT Arlington out here. And also she has a master's degree uh, in journalism from Syracuse, which is one of the top schools. And they, so I'm going ahead and uh, going at her and uh, get, get this thing rolling. JJ! <laughs> Ben, don't get on here clowning. We supposed to be serious. <laughs> Dre, Dre, what's going on, girl? Nothing. Oh, nothing. Just working and scarfing down this food before I got on this call. I understand. Did you meet your deadline? Because you was a little nervous about getting <laughs> on today yes, i'm always on deadline it just seems like they just want to say andrea do this do this do this do this do this right and i just be like okay okay okay, okay. but yeah I'm <laughs> hey, great thank you so much for hopping on with me man just to kind of talk about your role in journalism and i know you're based out of st louis you're away from home in houston but i know you're doing your thing out there in st louis yes of course anywhere i go i'm always doing my thing that's, that's great so how important <laughs> is a black female's voice and news considering what you what you particularly report on which is race and culture yeah so i just want to piggyback on kelsey and christina they made some really valid points especially saying you know it's crucial we we need to be more visible and i didn't think about it only because um or i didn't think about the importance of it only because i started off working for a black newspaper and i've always been kind of in that space and i saw 
you know, black reporters and I saw, you know, what they covered in those um, different areas. Then I don't know if you knew this, but I started working at the, the Dallas Weekly. I don't know if it's the Dallas Weekly anymore, but it still is. I, I didn't know that you did work for them. I definitely that, knew that. That was my first internship, and I mm. had you know really good experience with the editor in chief there, and she kind of just showed me the ropes, and just having her being someone that I could look up to, which is somebody I still look up to to mm -hmm. to this day. But I didn't really really grasp the importance of it until I started working um, for NPR here in St. Louis. And just by going in the field and seeing how, you know, I would go and speak to various people, whether it's children, whether it is, you know, um, older women, older men, people my right. age, they always would say, I never knew a, a black reporter as a, a radio journalist. And I'm like, you've never seen one, you never heard one. And they're just like, no, it's, it doesn't exist. And right. I have to think like, oh, we have to be more visible. I have to make sure that my voice is heard because it's people like this that may be my age, kids, you know, that have never seen them. So just on that end of things, I feel like that is why it's so important. All right, now considering you report on race and culture, you know, especially this this day and age, you know, you're doing a lot of focusing on Black Lives Matter protests and everything, and you being a black female, how how hard is it, how hard is it for you not to get caught up so emotionally when you're doing your job? Because I know that's pretty tough when you got to report the facts, but at the same time, you feel it right here being a black female in this world. Yeah, it was hard at first. Um, first couple of days, I was very emotional, sad, angry, all of that. But then something clicked in me and said, Andrea, mm -hmm. you know, yes, I told my editor I wasn't going out to cover no protests only because of coronavirus. And I was very nervous about that because I'm here by myself. And I mm -hmm. didn't want to be isolated or quarantined or going to the hospital and have to be there by myself without, without any family members. Right. But... Um, something clicked in me and said, Andrea, there are other stories that you can talk about that's besides the protest because there are systemic issues that we can mm -hmm. focus on. And that's what I ended up doing, you know. Um, yes, we did have, you know, uh, we still have protests to this day here. Um, but um, I just really just focused more so on the issues at hand, what was mm -hmm. going on. And those are some of the things that I've always talked about anyways, but it just right. kind of elevated only because I don't know if you noticed, like, everybody was just, like, begging for black news. We need black news. We want more, more, more. And it just yeah. really puts my stories to the top. Because sometimes, mm -hmm. a race and culture reporter, we don't always see those at, at every station. But sometimes, um, you know, we can kind of be pushed as, like, ah, oh, we'll get some, some stories from them later. But right. now, it's just like, oh, That's we need to make sure, yes, that we are, you know, staying on top of things. Now, this is Andrea Henderson, straight out of H-Town, Texas, you know what I mean? <laughs> he got the horns. Got a rep, got a rep. If y'all have any questions for her, go and drop it in the comment section. Now, Andrea, you talking about pro you just talked about protests. Y'all actually, St. Louis actually made, made national headlines with, what's them folks' name? Patricia and Mark McClowski uh, yeah. angrily pointing the AK-47 and a little handgun and some Black Lives Black Lives Matter protesters as they were on their way uh, to the mayor's office, I mean, to the mayor's house. Talk yeah. to me a little about how, you know, how that happened and, like, what's been the aftermath since then. And I actually know I saw this last night when I was doing my research for the show. They're actually going to be speaking at the Republican That's National Republican Convention, National which is insane. Absolutely insane. It's my side <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had a few friends that were actually down there um, that day that it happened or the night that it happened because I was just watching and following on uh, Twitter and things like that. And I was watching yeah. the live that was going down and it was really like, I couldn't believe this was actually happening during this protest because it was peaceful. It was nonviolent. You know, they were just walking down this street. Granted, I I'm not sure if that a lot of the, the the streets in that area are gated, but I'm not so much sure if their street was gated or not. However, even if it's gated, you still can walk through because sometimes um, they'll have the gates open. And even mm -hmm. though, you know, it may be gated, you may not be able to go through, like drive through and go through the other side, but you right. can walk through if you want to. Um, and even if it's, it's still closed, there are still sidewalks where you can walk through. 
And, mm -hmm. you know, they were just walking, minding their own business, going down, protesting because they were trying to get um, the mayor's attention on defunding yeah. the police as well as she needs to resign. That's what they were calling for. And nobody was even paying attention to these two couples. They, I mean, to this couple. they just came out, brandished their guns, and, you know, was really intimidating these um, protesters. And if you look at the photos, a lot of the photos um, that made the news kind of show, you know, Black folks um, yeah. as the main protester, but they were not. It was a mixture. It was, it was a good mix, yeah, it was. <laughs> so it wasn't just Black people out there protesting. Right. see you around the country now. But, um, you know, it, I don't know how long their standoff was. I know it was a you know a, a while because I did see it on um, the Twitter uh, on Twitter or whatnot. But um, after it was over with, you know, of course it was a big uproar here, and then it made I knew it was gonna make national news the next day um, <laughs> just because of it being in St. Louis, and then just because it was these this white couple pointing these guns at these black folks yeah. during the protest, and. Um, and then also because Shane Room got it. <laughs> yeah, Shane Room gonna blast that thing. Like I woke up to so many text messages and everything. Yeah. Like, Are you okay? Were you there? And I'm like, no, I was not there. I was on my phone, but everybody who I know was there, they're mm -hmm. okay. But anyways, um, you know, they did get charged. They did get arrested because you yeah. know, um, if they did get arrested, uh, the governor, our governor, as well as um Trump said he would pardon them because it was just, they had their right to have their guns out and they were on their own property and they could do what they want to do, basically. But there were a few protesters that um, were able to file charges against them um, right. for, for intimidation and feeling yeah, like their life I saw that, yeah. things mm -hmm. like that. So at least on that end of things, they were able to, I don't know where those cases are right now because I haven't really followed the story or whatnot, but right. um, I do know that those people were, those protesters were able to file those charges against them as well. Yeah, and yeah, I know there was a big story and everything, and obviously, as we know, what happened in Ferguson uh, with Michael Brown a few years ago, which is, for those who aren't familiar with the geographical landscape of St. Louis and Missouri, Ferguson is pretty much a suburb of St. Louis. It's just and, down the street. Yeah, it's down the street. So, um, I know the city is still trying to heal from that, and then when they saw, you know, George Floyd happen, I know the city was just like, oh, here we go again for the most part. Yeah, and then it was more protests in, in Ferguson. I went to Ferguson maybe like, when was this? Mm, like a week. Maybe I wonder if it was a week. It may have been a couple of days later after George Floyd's death because I started to hear there were a lot of um, businesses being burned down and right. um, looted and things like that. And I wanted to go check on my black businesses out there. And I met up with a few people that were out there. A lot of the businesses... Um, some of them didn't get destroyed or anything like that, but there were some that did yeah. you know, get looted or, you know, basically messed up, you know, destroyed, yeah. mm -hmm. frame graffiti and things like mm -hmm. that. But the community came back like yeah. the next day and like literally fixed up these, these um, businesses. So I think that was the good thing about that came out of the Ferguson um out of the Ferguson protests, um, that it was they were not letting any and everybody come in there and destroy things again. They were tired that's of good. that, and they mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that community still looks good. That's good. That's that's a positive because to to me, man, like just seeing. I mean, I understand folks are mad, but like messing up somebody's livelihood, how they can feed their family, how they put a roof over their head, messing up their business, that's a terrible thing. So, Dre, this is my last question for you, uh, for any young black female who's listening right now. Uh, what's some advice you can give them to if they're trying to get to where you at right now in your particular career? Well, if you want to be a radio journalist, um, mm -hmm. because that wasn't my first my first um, step into the game was you know with newspapers, magazines. Yep. But just being in radio, I just feel like um, you need to just make sure you are you know staying humble. You're taking those internships. You're being, um, you know, now you can do anything on podcasts. You can have a podcast, any type of, on any, um, any, you don't even have to be a journalist to have a, a podcast. So right. if you want to get into the industry, honestly, I would start having a podcast or doing a podcast and um, coaching yourself and getting your sources and start 
having like a fun, maybe like a fun um, podcast, or maybe it's something talking about politics. I don't know. Yeah. Well, something like this. Something like this. innovative in that would like push you on, get you a, um, you know, a job to the point where people will start looking at you and say, hey, you've done this without even being, you know, paid or not even having a platform to put it on. And you have these thousands of followers. Yeah, we should hire you too. Right, right. Dre, it's been great to talk to you. Talk with you, man. Oh, before I get out of here, what's what what's uh what's the project you're working on right now? I know it's some race and culture related, but you know you had to get it in before a certain time today. So tell tell everybody what you're working on. Well, what oh, you so did. Right I've there. been following the evictions crisis, the eviction crisis, and mm. it's really hitting hard here in St. Louis, St. Louis uh, region. And so I just been kind of working on that, following up on that, um, talking with lawyers and families that are facing evictions and things like that. And really want to show people that it's not just, you know, these families that can't, that want to just not pay their rent. They just can't pay their rent because of some fact that employment numbers are rising. People are still sick. You know, it's just a lot that goes into, you know, them not being able to pay their rent. But that's what I'm following evictions. Cool. Dre Dre, thank you. For hopping on with me, such a last minute thing. <laughs> so last night, you <laughs> like, are. I need you to hop on this thing with me. <laughs> huh? Wait, we gotta take a selfie. Hold on, let me take the selfie. Say Come cheese. on, Dre. I got not. I got eight more minutes for this thing go off. <laughs> All right, we good. <laughs> be straight. All right, Dre. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye. I right, see you at Turkey Leg Hut next year. I'm not going. <laughs> bye. Bye, fool. <laughs> All right, y'all, that was Andrea Henderson uh, out of St. Louis, works for NPR. She's a radio journalist, as y'all know. Uh, so I want to thank y'all for joining me tonight on Crunch Time. Uh, it was a great episode, so shout out to Kelsey, Kelsey Nelson, Christina Watkins, and also Andrea Henderson for hopping on with me to talk about the voice of black women in the media. So shout out to all the black females out there that's doing y'all thing, not only in journalism, but also across the world. And shout out to my wife who's doing our thing, holding the household down, and also holding our daughter down as well. So Make sure y'all follow the Crunch Time Instagram Live podcast on Spotify and also Apple Podcasts. Make sure y'all check that out and everything. Uh, I will go, go ahead. This, will, this, this particular post will be right on my timeline on Instagram, so make sure y'all check it out and everything and do all that good stuff. So for myself and my three guests as well, thank you for watching and listening to the Crunch Time Instagram Live podcast. I'll check y'all next week, and y'all be good and y'all be easy. And also, finally, be blessed. I'll let y'all.